looking at myself in this Zoom recording, I feel like my beard looks better than uh, I usually do. I don't uh, have really anything on the under lip area. Uh, so so my, my mustache has filled in enough that you can tell it's there. Um, and I'm not sporting like the Abe Lincoln. But uh, the rest of my beard starts at like kind of just the cusp of the bottom of my chin. So it's almost a chin beard. And in certain lighting, it's really goofy looking. Uh, so I always get about this long and then I shave it. The reason <laughs> that I'm telling you about my facial hair is one, I think about it a lot. I've probably talked about it on the podcast like more than you care to know. But also because it kind of gives me access into what I want to discuss for today's episode, and that is perception versus reality. The two things cannot be separated, but they can be examined separately. And that just means there is a true actual way that my beard looks, regardless of lighting, uh, that you can see no matter what angle to the sun or light bulb my face is in. And you can say, oh yeah, the coverage on his face is one hair per centimeter. <laughs> it's pretty pretty close to the truth. I, I have very sparse facial hair. But if you have a certain lighting, then that coverage can look darker and thicker and uh, kind of like the patchy spots maybe fade a little bit or blend into the hole, making it appear a little more robust than it might otherwise be. Um, and that's the truth. That is reality. The perception of the lighting becomes reality, but you can still access a deeper reality by looking a little deeper. This matters for book marketing in ways that hopefully I can illuminate during this podcast. This is TRBM, a podcast for authors who are serious about earning a full-time living selling books to readers. I'm the host, Jody J. Sperling, and each episode, I'll share with you practical tips on marketing and selling your books. And I won't hold anything back. Sometimes I fail. Every time I do, you'll know it. Sometimes I succeed. And when I do, I'll give you my step-by-step -step replay so you can succeed too. Thanks for listening. Recently, I was listening to one of the people who influences my mindset a lot. And uh, I, I wish I could tell you, I remember I took a note on it, but I didn't note who said it. So apologies, I'm not stealing anything. Um, in fact, this topic has been talked about a lot, but it was brought to the forefront of my mind. And that is that people from different industries should keep their mouth closed when they are interacting in a new space. So the example that was given was actors who get very politically involved. Um, and I grew up with my father always saying that Tim Robbins was one of the worst human beings alive because he was an actor, not a politician. And so he shouldn't be talking about his stupid democratic liberal ideology. Um, he absolutely loathed Tim Robbins. I don't know much about his his political viewpoints. I'm sure that Rush Limbaugh took a few runs at him, and that's where my dad probably got his opinion of Tim Robbins, because I don't recall him ever taking time to watch any Tim Robbins videos uh, or films that he was in or anything like that. Um, so this is all extrapolation. But you know what? I want to say that there is transferability in skills, and that is the deeper truth. So it is true that Tim Robbins is not a politician, and therefore his political viewpoints are going to be somewhat skewed by the fact that he is not bathing in that particular 
pool or ocean every day. It's something that he probably cares deeply about, that he researches a lot, but not being a politician, not having ever served a term in office for any political uh, appointment, he probably does lack some of the nuance. However, his skill as a communicator uh, via his acting, his involvement with the masses via acting, he's seeing people from every uh, race, gender, culture, strata, religion, all of those things, economic backgrounds. He's seeing those people on a very regular basis. He's encountering them through his acting career in ways that most of us currently are. In fact, I dare say you don't listen to this podcast if you've achieved more than I have uh, in in this particular area of marketing your fiction. So uh, I can I can with pretty great degree of confidence say that none of us have had the opportunity to see the world in the way that Tim Robbins has. And that creates a transferable skill at assessing problems and giving um, a, an informed degree of opinion based on what he's seeing. So his opinion probably has more weight than maybe yours or mine. If we just read the tabloids, if we just read the newspapers, which there's really no difference anymore. If we watch Fox News uh, or the sci-fi channel, there's also no difference there. Um, we have less information to go on than Tim Robbins does because we're not engaged at the level that he is because of his success in the acting world. Um, and now let's dive a little bit deeper into why this matters. So this matters because you currently are writing novels and you want to get those novels out in the world. And I think, I, I am almost convinced that this is true, that too many of us don't look to what we know to inform what we do with writing. So maybe you're an insurance salesperson, maybe you are a nurse, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you are uh, a computer programmer, maybe you stay at home and raise your children. Whatever area you're in right now, there are skills that you are using to do your daily tasks that you might not be transferring over into your writing marketing career. Uh, and I wanted to encourage you, there is transferability. Just because you're an insurance salesperson doesn't mean you can't sell books so that you know nothing about selling books. In fact, I'm positing that you actually know more about selling books because you can sell insurance. A few episodes ago, I talked about Mark, Mark uh, not, not Mark Zuckerberg, oh my goodness, ah, Jeff Bezos. I talked about Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, the internet bookstore, the first internet bookstore, the big time internet bookstore, the largest business in the world started out as a bookstore. And I would say that if if Jeff Bezos had behaved like some people who say that, you know, you should keep your mouth closed if you're not actually in the industry, uh, he never would have created Amazon or acquired AWS or flown William Shatner into outer space. <laughs> Dude, Captain Kirk in space for reals. That was crazy. None of those things would have happened. If Jeff Bezos had believed that he better keep his mouth closed, he understood that there was a transferability in skills. And it was an amazing one to do, too, because selling books is uniquely challenging. 
Um, selling anything in the arts is uniquely challenging. What I think we could learn from Jeff and what I'm encouraging you to take away from this episode is that you have a dispassionate expertise in whatever your current profession that earns you money is. And if you're not earning money, then what, you know, I mean, that, that, uh, well, because I'm trying to think about the people like that, you know, stay home and, and raise kids. And that is a valid profession, even though it doesn't bring any money in. Um, it still is like this valid thing that you can use uh, that gives you a unique insight into the world that you're stepping into. And if you can understand that being a stay-at-home parent or that being an insurance salesperson equips you with a set of tools to use to sell your books, then you're going to be far further ahead. And part of that reason is, is that when you're raising your kids, well, <laughs> see, sometimes I'm thinking out loud. I, I pick the worst example first, but this is, I guess, true. When raising your kids, um, I think that most parents would say safety first. I am most concerned that my children are safe and alive because if they're not safe and alive, then everything else doesn't really matter. Um, safety includes uh, food, shelter, nourishment. Well, nourishment is food. Food and shelter and clothing, whatever, you know, the basic stuff. Like you don't want your kid walking around naked. <laughs> or hungry <laughs> so uh, or wet because they were out in the rain all night. There you go. So those are the things. You're going to take care of that. And then just below safety is development, that you want them to start to learn particular skills that equip them to be uh, participating human beings uh, that have good self-control. So that's probably number two. And then number three is just like enjoyment. You just want to enjoy them and have a great time with them. But in order to have safety, you don't ever say like, Oh man, if I if I keep them safe, they're not going to have any fun. So I'm just going to go ahead and let them uh, jump off this bridge into the raging Missouri River because I know that'll be so fun for them. No, you look at safety. It's dispassionate. You don't worry about anything else. But somehow when we sell books, we start to let all of those kind of tertiary outside questions influence the things we do. Um, do I want to be viewed as the kind of person who's a little bit pushy if I make a sales call? Do I want to piss somebody off because maybe I said something the wrong way um, or pitched something the wrong way? And so instead of doing things, we're always worried about doing it perfectly and like thinking about all kinds of different variables that really shouldn't matter, that don't matter when you're doing your job. Uh, I found this out the hard way when I was trying to uh, sell, pre-sell the seven-figure marketing mindset for novelists. It's a book I'm still proud of, but one that I do see at this time in my life is going to have to evolve and develop as I learn more. I'm glad I put it out there into the world. It taught me a whole lot. Um, but I remember that I had been making sales calls uh, as um, a, a trunk slammer, um, selling sunglasses to gas stations, work gloves, hats, things like that, that uh, the company I worked for sold and, and gas stations were our major partners. And I would go into a gas station and there was never a sense when I walked in that, uh, you know, it would crush me if they said no, because basically it was like, okay, if I get a new customer online, then I'm going to put, you know, a thousand dollars of product in there and I'm going to make seven percent uh, commission on it, all the product I put in the store. So whoopee, huge, big upside. Downside is like some gas station clerk is going to be like, get lost. And that never bothered me. What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you, it's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? 
Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when the time you spend doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shishkoom boss tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, highly tested and targeted formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself, where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following and millions of copies sold. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery of not knowing who's reading your books and losing 50 to 70% of your hard-earned money that you're making through sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readership. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Yet, when I tried to sell the seven-figure marketing mindset for novelists, didn't use the same transferable skill, which was like, I'm going to go into um, a doctor's office and ask if they want to uh, donate five copies of this book to a local university because the college students there never get any education in marketing their books. Uh, it It was a good sales plan, but what really, really caught me off guard is how many people really didn't want to do it. I didn't take into account the fact that these people didn't know me and therefore they didn't know the quality of my writing and therefore they didn't know if they wanted to be associated with the book. Fair point, Doc. Fair point. I didn't know that though. I had to learn that the hard way. And what really, really hurt was how many no's I got and how how absolutely adamant those no's were. People were like, no, not going to do it. Sorry, maybe never again. So just don't even call again. And I got to the point where I was so punch drunk that I couldn't keep making calls and I quit. This is a, like, I straight up quit. I lost. That's a, That's an occasion where I lost. If I had taken the mindset that I had when I was selling sunglasses, things would have been very different, I assure you. Because when you don't care if people say no, then you just keep picking up the phone. You just keep making the stops. You just keep going. Because you understand that every time you get a yes, that is somebody who now lives in your universe, who now exists in, in your world. I could have really touched a lot of people's lives, I think, and helped a lot of people if I would have had that transferable skill that I learned trunk slamming. Because let's let's be honest, how often do you think you walk into a gas station and talk to a manager and you're like, hey, would you like sunglasses? That They're just like, um, yeah, we're a gas station. Now, today, in today's environment, actually, uh, companies like Solaray and Pugs, which merged, um, or uh, I can't think of the other, there's another really big one that I can't think of right now. They're kind of like the big um, competitor to to that company have have been so successful with their business model that almost every gas station does have sunglasses. But there was a time not so long ago, I'm talking like within the last 10 years, when sunglasses were sort of a rare find uh, at a gas station. So a company and an idea infected an entire industry. You can do that with your books. So 
I wanted to encourage you with that and say, what are your transferable skills? What business are you in right now? What do you know how to do really, really well? How can you take that thing that you understand intimately and transfer it into the process of marketing books? Uh, one of my friends, roving co-host, frequently mentioned on this podcast at this point, Rich Hosek, he is uh, he knows computer coding. He is an IT guy. Uh, frequently, he shames me for how stupid I am about computers. And he's like, yeah, you can write a macro for that. And I'm like, what the hell is a macro, bro? And then he's like, well, it's this, if you just fiddle around a little bit. And and sometimes I want to say to him, I want to be like, well, I don't even know how to fiddle. That's the problem is I don't, I don't know how to fiddle because guess what? IT is not my world. I don't understand it. And I, I, I do a lot of YouTubing. I do. I'm not a helpless person, but generally I don't know what I don't know. And so I didn't even know what a macro was. So I wouldn't know to fiddle with it. Cause I was like, if I want to edit this podcast, for example, then I go to um, the, the elements uh, and, and I, I click, um, you know, uh, silence truncator or whatever it's called, you know, truncate silences. And I truncate the little silences where I'm trying to figure out what to say next. And then I, I hit uh, loudness normalization and then I hit limiter. And those three things will make my podcast sound really consistent so you don't have bits that are louder than other bits. Uh, you're welcome. Because when you listen to the Tom Bilyeu podcast, uh, boy, his commercials will blast your ears out. Like you you need to turn it up to hear him and then the commercial part comes on and it almost ruptures your brain. It's really loud. So I do that for you and you're welcome. Uh, but other than that, like I don't know what I don't know. and 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 that's okay because Rich is not particularly as gifted at sales. Well, yeah, I better I better not say that. I don't know his whole life. He probably is a pretty good salesperson, but uh, you know, somebody else might not be as good at sales. Um, they might not be as comfortable doing what I do. What I'm I'm really good at the cold call because I've done it so much. And so when I got over that kind of punch drunk thing from the seven figure marketing mindset for novelists debacle, I got back into cold calls and I can reach out and I have no skin in the game. I just call a bookstore, for example, for uh, um, SPAC, self-published author cooperative. And I say, hey, my name is Jody. I'm a self-published author cooperative and uh, we are a, a publisher. I'm a publishing sales rep. So I was curious, what's the name of your buyer? That's my first question. Most of the time, that's the only information I get on the first call. Then the next call I call in and I'm like, hey, this is Jody. I'm calling for Jennifer. Is she in? Like, who, uh, Jody, who who are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm one of the partners that helps Jennifer get great books in here. And they're like, let me see if she's available. And then they'll come back and they'll be like, you know what? Jennifer actually just ran off to the bank. She's going to be back in 15 minutes. You want to call back? And I'll be like, sure, I'll call back. And then I never call back in 15 because I want to look busy. So I call back in 30 minutes and I'm like, hey, this is Jody calling again. Uh, is Jennifer in? And they're like, let me go check. And, and then they're like, um, uh, yeah, hi, this is Jennifer. And I'm like, hey, Jennifer, my name's Jody with SPAC. Uh, do you ever work with self-published authors? And then she'll be like, oh, yeah, we do this consignment program. And I'll be like, no, 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 See what I'm doing here is building. And I'm not even like the best. I've heard guys who, and, and gals, mostly guys, actually. That's probably my own bias. I, I watch more, more dudes. Um, and there also just seems to be fewer women in sales, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, correct me if I'm wrong here. It's just my experience of the world. I'm not intentionally being sexist at this moment, but I can feel pretty heavily that that's what's happening. Sexism, limitations. It's not on purpose and it's not malicious. It's just experience. Okay. So the point is, is that I am good at a particular set of skills and it has gotten me where I'm at. And I want to lean into those skills. Uh, and I am 
bad at a particular set of skills. And the smartest thing I would do is to find people who are successful where I lack expertise and try to bring them in to this mission, to this journey, uh, so that, that that I can thrive more and they can thrive and everybody fits together. Uh, let's talk about this too. I don't know if this is an exactly transferable skill, but it fits into this conversation. Housework. Right now, I don't have enough money to pay somebody to do the housework for us. Uh, and so mostly because right now I am staying home and my wife has been going back to work. Uh, I am responsible for washing the dishes, making dinner, uh, doing the laundry from, you know, dirty to folded and put away and everything. Uh, and then generally keeping the house like tidy. That is that's my responsibility right now. In an ideal world, I really actually enjoy dishes and laundry. I don't enjoy a lot of the rest of it. It just so happens that my wife actually enjoys things like shoveling. She doesn't mind vacuuming. Um, she hates, hates, hates folding clothes. Like she would probably rather gouge her eye out than fold clothes. Um, and so we complement each other really well in that way. Uh, I take out the trash. I've always taken out the trash. I do the litter box. She picks up the dog shit. That's just how it works. She doesn't mind picking up dog shit as much as I do. That's because she likes the dog. Um, nobody likes, by the way, dealing with animal feces, but you do it because you like the animals. Um, on that note, I'm calling Chewy my miracle podcast co-host because not only is he still with me, but uh, he's eating some solid food again, not very successfully. And uh, often he perches on my shoulders during the day um, and I can hear him swallowing and he still is, he's got some kind of obstruction in his throat because when he swallows, it's very loud, like um, a gulping sound almost, but he doesn't seem to be in any pain. So um, I'm nothing but grateful for uh, the extra time. I had him scheduled to be put down just before Christmas Eve, um, the day of, I could not do it. And so he's still with us and um, yeah, just super duper grateful for that. All right. So in closing, transferable skills can help you get a jumpstart in your marketing world. And I want to say that when you discover what your skills are, the things that come naturally to you that you do very well, um, start to ask the question, how can I use this in the world of marketing my books? I don't know what your skill is. I've tried to give you a few examples of what mine would be. Um, and let me see if I can tease out how I could say, oh, my enjoyment of folding clothes then becomes applicable to my marketing. The best thing that I can say is that I'm the kind of guy who has looked up on YouTube the best way to fold a towel. And I fold such a dang good towel that when my friend John and his girlfriend Jessica were in town, Jessica actually, I'm, I'm like, it's the morning they're going to leave. And they came over to the house and I was getting some chores done because I had a work day. It was like a work day for me. So I was folding clothes while they were there so I could be like accomplishing something while we were talking. And she said to John, she's like, watch how he folds a towel. That's the right way to fold a towel. And I was like, damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I fold a good towel. <laughs> um, how could I make that apply to my marketing world? Well, if I if I think about the fact that I love research so much that I will watch a YouTube video on the best way to fold a towel, then I want to be leaning into my research to find as many people as I can who give unique ways of marketing. And I'll contrast that by saying, again, my wife, you couldn't pay her enough to research. She doesn't particularly enjoy it. 
I find myself telling her everything I know about the carnivore diet, which I've been doing for the last eight days. Um, I find myself telling her everything I know about infinite banking, which is just this fancy life insurance way of, of uh, investing. I find I tell her everything I know about the real estate market um, or whatever it might be. I mean, there's just so many different things. And I research the death out of things. Like it is so dead by the time I've researched it that there's probably no new information to be found. And I forget a lot of it too, but I am fascinated by the process of research. And that means I love it. I do it. And that is what creates my marketing genius uh, is that I, I research and research and I find the best information I can out there. I devour podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. She does not. However, I have not filed a tax return since 20. 2009, 2010, since 2010, we got married in 2011. She filed our first tax return and everyone since then. I wouldn't go anywhere near a tax return. She's an accountant, so that makes sense. But that's kind of the brain that she has. She's very detail-oriented. Don't ask me to be detail-oriented. Things I care about, I can do it, but it's not a strength. It's something that I will outsource if I ever get to the point where I can actually outsource shit. But there you go. Now, she transfers the skill of detail-oriented into the marketing world, and she's the one who, when I say, hey, I've got this company idea for self-published author cooperative, she's the one who says, okay, how are you going to keep track of which stores have which books and when they're supposed to return those books and when they're supposed to get there next month and which authors are what prices and so on and so forth? All those questions come naturally to her, and you probably have a skill similar to one or the other of us and your own unique set of skills. And those skills will make you a better marketer. So I hope that I've cast a wide enough net to catch all of you and get your brain juices flowing so that you can think about the skill sets that you currently have that you need to apply to your book marketing world. We're all storytellers. We're all storytellers. And storytelling, if you weren't aware, is the number one most important skill to sell anything. Tell a story about something and you create interest, you create drive, you create lust, love, loyalty, all the L's, baby. It's been nice to talk with you. 2024 is now fully going. We're in it. We're doing it. Keep doing good. Whatever resolution you made on the first, stick with it for another day. I think something good will happen if you stick to your resolutions. Uh, and this is about the time that people really start falling off the resolutions right now. When you're listening, you're thinking maybe about quitting. Don't quit. Keep doing it. Sell some books. Write some better books. Write some great books. Write the next great American novel. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening? Calling all self-published authors. If you live in the United States and you've always wanted to see your books in bookstores, this may be the most important ad you'll hear in 2023. Listen carefully. No matter where you are in your publishing journey, it's not too early to position yourself to pursue brick-and-mortar bookstore distribution. But if you're a self-published author, you've probably heard, getting your books in stores is next to impossible. That's no longer the case. 
For just $5, you'll receive a lifetime membership to the self-published author co-op. When you join, you'll have access to a members-only community with a detailed roadmap on how to get your books ready for bookstore distribution. Joining our community does not guarantee bookstore distribution, as there's a limited availability each month to be a featured author. And that's why the cost of a lifetime membership is less than a cup of coffee. Whether you're just about to publish your first book, or you're selling thousands of copies a month, if you don't have your books in bookstores, the Self-Published Author Co-op is the easiest, most efficient way to get national distribution of your books. Click the link in the show notes to join now.